I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 296 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story, how difficult is it to create a vaccination program for a massive country that's spread across several islands and happens to be the worst hit in its region? Our Jakarta bureau chief explains why Indonesia's vaccine rollout plan keeps changing. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. The rolling average of U.S. coronavirus cases edged up in the past week and is on a path to break records again any day. Today, 32 states reported seven-day case averages substantially rising over the prior week with some of the steepest rises in Kansas and Arizona. That's a sharp turnaround from mid-December, when 38 states reported cases flat or falling. Meanwhile, an easier-to-spread variant of COVID-19 was detected in three U.S. states last week, though health officials don't know how much farther it may have spread. That could intensify the virus's surge, if it hasn't already, boosting the urgency for a speedier, more effective vaccine push. Israel plans to vaccinate 70 to 80 percent of its population by April or May. That's according to Health Minister Yuli Edelstein. The country is moving faster to inoculate people than any other country in the world on a per capita basis. Israel has already administered first doses of the Pfizer shot to about 1.2 million residents, or more than 12 percent of the population. Officials from Operation Warp Speed, the U.S. government's vaccine drive, are asking Moderna and the Food and Drug Administration to cut in half the dose of the company's COVID-19 vaccination for people ages 18 to 55 after finding that it induces the same immune response. That's according to Chief Scientific Advisor Monsef Slawi, who spoke on CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday. And now for today's main story. Indonesia had planned to prioritize its working-age population for its COVID-19 vaccine rollout. But they recently announced a change of plans. The inoculation program would instead start with healthcare workers, civil servants, and the elderly. The government didn't give a reason for the change, but the shifting procedures show some of the difficulties in coordinating a vaccine rollout for a massive nation spread across a string of islands. I spoke to Jakarta Bureau Chief Judith Ho about how hard it's been to secure enough doses for the fourth largest country in the world.
Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. What has COVID-19's effect been thus far in Indonesia? How has the country been hit by the pandemic? So Indonesia is actually suffering the worst coronavirus outbreak right now in Southeast Asia. That's in terms of the number of infections and also the number of deaths. I think part of that is because it really hasn't resorted to any form of lockdown because President Joko Widodo actually said that that's against the culture of the country. So what they've done instead is just um, calling for people to follow health protocols. That's become a lot worse coming up to the holiday season because after a whole year of people staying put in their homes, I think there are a lot of people taking this chance to go on holidays or gather with families. And especially coming up to the new year, there's been a lot of warnings from the government to say they are expecting a spike in virus infections um, and they're really calling for people to be careful but they really haven't resorted to any um, of those strict lockdowns that you've seen any elsewhere in Asia. And as we move into the new year, what is Indonesia's plans in terms of vaccination? So Indonesia might be um, one of the countries most reliant on vaccines. It's basically been signing deals left and right with Western producers and also um, the Chinese producer for vaccines. Um, it's really banking on Sinovac especially. The country has actually been partnering with Sinovac to do um, joint trial um, in the city south of Jakarta. And that trial is coming up to the conclusion now. And what's pending before Indonesia can actually start this vaccination program is this emergency use authorization from the local drug regulator. That is expected sometime in January. Once that's out, the president himself, Joko Widodo, is actually going to be the first one to take the vaccine. And he said that the reason why he's doing this is to make sure that people feel secure in the safety of the vaccine, especially considering the lack of transparency in how um, the trials for the Sinovac vaccines have been conducted. And maybe you could just talk a little bit about the Sinovac vaccine in terms of how does it differ from, say, those developed by Moderna or Pfizer? I think what's been really interesting with Moderna and Pfizer is they're actually using new technology with the mRNA vaccines, whereas the Sinovac one is, I would say, um, pretty old school. They are using inactivated viruses um, to create these vaccines. but And because of that, actually, it might work better for Indonesia, considering the country is spread across the world's biggest archipelago. So it becomes more difficult to transport um, vaccines that require very cold temperatures. Sinovac vaccines actually only require two to four degrees Celsius. 
which means uh, normal refrigeration will be okay. And that's why Indonesia is, I think, relying on Vaccinovac for about half of its vaccine needs. And and you raise a great point there. So many countries now are are very much focused on acquiring enough doses of vaccines. So in total, between Sinovac and perhaps other vaccines it's acquired or at least put on order, how many doses has Indonesia secured for its population? So Indonesia, the last number they gave was that they're close to acquiring 400 million doses. And that is actually still not enough to cover the whole population because the whole population would amount to about 270 million. And they're also taking into account any vaccines that might turn out to be ineffective or any vaccines that might be damaged in the process. So the last number they gave was that they need 427 million that they're aiming to get. Um, but that's still not going to cover the whole population. Um, I think they're right now they've actually increased their target for herd immunity from about 40% only of the population to about 60%. There's also an Indonesian um, vaccine that it's in development. Um, I was wondering if you might tell us just a bit about that. So Indonesia is also trying to develop its own vaccine. Uh, This one is being developed by a state-owned pharmaceutical company. It's also named Meraputi, which that basically says red and white, which is the colors of the nation's flag. The vaccine itself is actually still in very early trials. Um, the last update they gave us was that this, they're still conducting animal trials. So it's pretty slow going. Um, but I think the reasoning behind that is considering all the race for vaccines all over the world, Indonesia is trying to make sure that if even if nothing else works out in terms of overseas deals, it actually still has this one local producer going for them. Um, from what we know, the Meraputi vaccine is also relying on the inactivated virus um, sort of technology. Now, let's move on to the actual rollout of the vaccination program. Indonesia recently announced a change to who would be receiving a COVID vaccine first in the country. What exactly was this change? So... Previously, Indonesia wanted to vaccinate the younger people first, and that would be the working age who are aged between 18 to 59 years old. Um, that is That was after the healthcare workers. But recently, they've announced a new um, vaccination program, and that one actually starts with healthcare workers, civil servants, followed by the elderly. Uh, those would be people 60 years old and above. Indonesia's difficulty in trying to get enough vaccines to cover the whole population might actually be a big factor in why they want to vaccinate the young people first. Because the idea is, if the younger people who are having to go out to work um, and having to move around in the economy, um, if they're vaccinated, then they might not actually come home and like bring the virus to people who are older or maybe their children. So they're really trying to use the vaccine not only to protect people from um, developing a more severe case of COVID, but they're actually trying to use the virus basically as their front line in um, trying to prevent a wider spread of the virus. The government hasn't actually given us a very clear reason for the change other than the fact that President Yoko Widodo said that the government is actually going to provide free vaccines for everyone And what that means is the government has to actually procure more vaccines than before, whereas before they've signed on to Sinovac um, to also produce the the doses uh, locally. 
now they've actually stepped up the hunt for vaccines. In December, they've actually signed uh, another 50 million doses uh, purchased from AstraZeneca. And then in January, they're expected to sign another 50 million from Pfizer. So it seems like that might be one of the reasons why they are recalibrating how they're doing this vaccination program after Jokowi said that he wants to make sure everybody gets the vaccines for free. And are there any other factors that the country is taking into account, prioritizing those who would be most likely to spread it and trying to protect more vulnerable populations? Are there any other demographics that fall into that vulnerable population that may not receive the vaccine first? Because the country is so huge and it's spread out across uh, very remote islands sometimes, it's, um, it can be difficult for the government to actually get the vaccines to where they need to be. Um, and that's actually played out in the government's vaccination program. They're actually saying that they want to prioritize the places that are most impacted by the virus. And those happen to be in the Java Island, which is the most populous and the most developed. But in doing so, they might actually leave out the more remote places who are also whose um, health facilities might actually be under strain as well. We The government has not actually given a very detailed plan of how they're actually getting the going to get the vaccine from Jakarta, which is where it's likely to land, to all these remote islands. What they have said is they're going to make use of these state polyclinics called Puskesmas. These are actually very small clinics. They're very sparsely um, um, equipped, but they are spread out. Uh, basically, in every regency, you need to have at least one Puskesmas. So at least they do have the framework whereby the government can actually uh, contact all these, this network that they already have of state health clinics, and they can just distribute the vaccines that way. Um, And I think the other difficulty is once you actually have people um, getting their first doses, how are you going to make sure that they are actually going to get the necessary second dose? I think that's a challenge that the government hasn't actually spoken about. They've been uh, taking the matter basically step by step Right now, they're focused on securing the deals and getting the emergency use authorization. And they keep telling us, um, once we have the vaccines, then we'll tell you how we're going to distribute it. You know, the other thing that's on a lot of people's minds right now is, of course, the timeline of when will I be able to receive my vaccine? Has the government mentioned anything in terms of a timeline and when it hopes to have the majority of, say, the working age population vaccinated, even in an ideal world or an ideal time frame? There have been a couple of timelines that they have discussed. I think the latest one uh, stretches until the mid of 2022. And I think that would be the ideal scenario is for them to actually get uh, the vaccines approved for use and go through the whole population until the middle of 2022. They have actually said that they're planning to vaccinate 160 million people a year. That actually doesn't really work out with their middle of 2022 timeline either. So there's still a lot of questions around that. And I think, again, the government is not setting a fixed timeline as much as they're kind of pushing back the timeline as things drop up or as new vaccine supply becomes available to them. That was Judith Ho. And that's it for our show today. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Judith Ho. Original music by Leo Citrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Brought to you by Sherm, a better workplace, a better world.